Welcome to 10 Bestest, where we sift through the noise so you don't have to. Each week we share our 10 favorite things of the moment. Anything goes. Hello, friend. Welcome to 10 Bestest, where we sift through the noise so you don't have to. I'm Karen McFarlane Holman. And I'm Brian Hart. And I get to go first this time. I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. Yes. My first cool sheet, I'm going to be talking about kitchen science. And this is actually something that uh, Brian asked me some questions about, and I thought, hey, I'm going to make it a cool sheet. And it is xanthan gum. What is xanthan gum, you ask? Xanthan gum is formed through the natural fermentation of the bacterium called Xanthomonas campestris. What is that? It is the black stuff that grows on your broccoli if you leave it in the fridge too long. Does that sound gross? Well, a lot of what we eat comes from things that are created by the fermentation of various bacteria, like kimchi, sourdough bread. So it's all good. Xanthan gum is used often because it has such useful properties in the kitchen. And one of those properties is thickening in a very delightful way. Whereas cornstarch that's used for thickening, cornstarch can get all lumpy, but xanthan gum is known for its creamy texture. One common food that it's used for is in ice cream for that creaminess. You also see it on ingredients lists in lotions and toothpaste for the same reason. It is amazing how little you need to get the effect that you want. A common percentage by weight that is used is 0.1%. We are talking like 1 16th of a teaspoon would be a common amount that's used in recipes. But they always say, don't go above 0.3% or it gets what they call snotty. Below that though, it is awesome. It's also helpful because it's flavorless, so you don't need to worry about affecting the flavor of your dish. So what can you use it for? As I said, you can make, use it for ice cream, but you could also do something like making a latte with xanthan gum instead of milk. It makes the texture the same as a latte, but it doesn't taste at all like milk. So you get the thickness creaminess of a latte, but if you want the straight coffee flavor, xanthan gum is the ticket. Because of its molecular structure, it's also good at trapping air bubbles, and it's used a lot in, what's making, in making what's known as culinary foam. I want to talk really quickly about the molecular structure. Imagine those old school telephone cords. It's like a corkscrew. It's kind of like that with a bunch of sugar molecules. I could talk forever about the molecular structure, but I need to stop now. Xanthan gum. Ah, oh, this is so cool. So this is kind of a 10 bestest first where I suggested. Yes. That you do it exactly. so like I get the assisted you slam mm -hmm. dunked it home. Yes. Um, yeah, because I was going to talk about it, but I was like, you know what? I want you and your science to, yes. to explain it better than I could. Yes, exactly. And it's funny. I, I babbled on about a lot of the other stuff before getting into the science. <laughs> Didn't even get too much but, inside. Um, so I'll just say it now. I'll cheat a little bit yeah, and expand. Good. So this, um, this coil, this helix structure mm -hmm. that it has, that it's, it's actually pretty... Um, in a, a nice structure, but if you heat it up, mm -hmm. then it turns into, you know when you use the phone over and over and then that coil yeah. coils on itself and it's yeah. a mess? That's actually really good. Xanthan gum does that too. Huh. And that helps with the creaminess of the ice cream. So ice cream, it gets all um, chunky if those crystals of water are large, but if they're tiny little crystals, that is the secret of having creamy ice cream. Mm. And when you have this big, bulky, messy, helix that's all messed up 
in the way, then those big crystals can't form. It forms little crystals and you get the creaminess. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. So I have so many questions on this then because now when you make homemade ice cream, it is mm -hmm. way creamier than most store-bought. Um, and I've never used xanthan gum from homemade ice cream, just, but it's also, it's fresh and it's, it just happened. You just yes. mixed it, you just froze it and it doesn't last too long. Yes. And so I don't, is, is xanthan gum any kind of preserved parts of, of that or not? Or is that other ingredients that they um, add to it? it the, and the, that's just kind of the creaminess. Yeah. So the xanthan gum helps with that creaminess and helps okay. with those ice crystals. And so this is the thing and you, you hit it right there with making it fresh. Then that means that you've allowed those ice crystals, those tiny little ice crystals to form, making it really creamy. When you have ice cream that's been made at some factory and then mm -hmm. it's put into a truck and then it's shipped and it's it's going through time and it's going through actually a few processes where maybe it's taken out of the freezer for a moment and then it put somewhere else again. so it slightly thaws ever so slightly and refreezes and every time it does that the crystals get larger oh perfect so, okay that's good to know yeah so that creaminess is if fresh ice cream is the way to go Nice. Every time. So now my biggest question is because I think that just that word, it's so foreign, but it's safe. Is it? Yes. It's totally safe. Exactly. Okay. Because yeah. that's, I think, what freaks people out a lot of times. And that's why I wanted you to talk about it. You know, all these words we can barely, barely say. Yes. It's like, oh, that sounds like an alien substance or a chemical, you know, like man-made mm -hmm. chemical or you know, a process, something. Yeah. But it is nice to know that this comes from basically a food source, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It is the same. It's that same fermentation. It's just fermentation. And because it comes from the bacterium that was already named that, and so they just took the name xanthan directly from that. Okay. And this term gum is from what it does, that it does this thickening. Okay. And there are other gums that are similar, guar gum, mm -hmm. um, and there are others that they just use that term. I don't, for me, it's not the best term. But yeah. speaking of gum, that is how you can find our show notes. So for this episode, uh, 10bestest.com slash gum will lead you to everything we talk about this week. That's cool. Well, thank yeah. you so much for answering all those questions. Yeah, you're Way welcome. better than I could explain it. Oh, and there's so much more. Um, we'll have a link. Um, but yeah, there's there's always so much more to say oh, yeah. <laughs> about all of our cool sheets. And that's why we provide the show notes for you. Absolutely. Well, cool. Thank you again. You're welcome. My pleasure. And thank you for suggesting Yeah, absolutely. I might have some more for you to, I can't wait. to yes, check out. Please do. <laughs> All right. So my cool sheet is going to be a video. And this video is called Seven Spectacular Moths in Slow Motion. Uh, this is by Ant Lab on their YouTube channel. And it involves a couple of my favorite things, uh, science and slow motion video. I love both of those a lot. But one thing that maybe I'm not so crazy about and that's moths. Usually you know you find them in your clothes eating your things or just flying around and being a nuisance of course attracted to the light but this video instantly changed my mind. So Dr. Adrian Smith starts the video by saying I think all of science boils down to trying to do things in order to see and appreciate the world in a new way. I love that so much. I'm gonna say it again, and because it's kind of my mantra of life. 
Um, I think all of life boils down to trying to do things in order to see and appreciate the world in a new way. I love that so much. Now, as he's doing this and narrating this, there's this beautiful pink and yellow rosy maple moth starting to take flight, filmed at 6,000 frames per second. And at these slow speeds, these delightful little friends look like pudgy little teddy bears with wings trying to get off the ground. And the variety of color and markings and even the size of the moss and how they differ is so interesting. I never thought I would like this so much. Uh, but slowing them down really make, makes you appreciate the differences of them and how they're designed for flight, every little part of their body as they take off. And for me, they take on this person personality that I never knew before because you're seeing them in slow-mo, you're looking at their eyes and you're just seeing that kind of struggle to get off and they look like their their whole body looks like it kind of is excited when it starts to take off. It's so good. There's so many, like I said, there's seven different kinds. They're all really interesting. Definitely check it out. Seven spectacular moths in slow motion. <laughs> Ooh, I will love this so much because I like, like lobs. Sure. They're they're like they're pudgy. Yeah, they're they're, they're plump pudgy. and they're, and they're like, so fuzzy. Oh, yes, yes, you you know when you think of that. the moths that you kind of see the most common ones. Of course, they're kind of those dark, you know, mm. brownish, you know, ones, and they have like that film on them a lot of the time. Yeah, that it's um, like dusty. Or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah, and they do have some that are like that. But when it's in slow motion and that dust like flies off, even that's, that's magnificent. So, yeah, looking. right. Of course. So it's really, really cool. I love it so much, but ah, they're just, they're so cute when yeah. they're up close and then slow-mo. They're just like the cutest little things ever. I, I want to like pet them and have them as yeah. my little friends. Which you have the second best thing and that is this video of them in slow-mo. Yes, absolutely. Oh, I want to check that out after the show. Yes. Yeah, I'll send you, you the for link that. directly for yes. it. But, yes. Uh, yeah. Excellent. Cool. Thanks. You're welcome. My cool sheet, I'm going to be talking about something that comes from psychology, and it is called Gardner's Theory of Multiple Intelligences. Howard Gardner is a professor of cognition and education at Harvard University who has been studying psychology and human potential for decades. His work led to his development of what he initially called six intelligences. But today, Gardner's theory is now known as the theory of multiple intelligences, and there are now nine types of intelligence on this list. And psychologists are staying open to the possibility of more being added as they are discovered. I wanna give you a summary of the nine types of intelligences and I want you to listen and think about which ones resonate with you. First, there's verbal linguistic intelligence. So this is well-developed verbal skills and sensitivity to sounds, meaning, and rhymes of words. There is logical mathematical intelligence, thinking conceptually and abstractly. There is spatial visual intelligence. This is the capacity to think in images and pictures and visualize accurately and abstractly. There is bodily kinesthetic intelligence. This is controlling one's body's movements and to be able to handle objects skillfully. There's musical intelligences, ability to produce and appreciate rhythm, pitch, and timbre. There's interpersonal intelligence, this capacity to detect and respond appropriately to the moods, motivations, and desires of others. There is intrapersonal, and this is our capacity to be self-aware and in tune with our own inner feelings, values, beliefs, and thinking processes. 
there's naturalist intelligence. This is the ability to recognize and categorize plants and animals and other objects in nature. And there's existential intelligence, this sensitivity and capacity to tackle deep questions about human existence, such as what is the meaning of life? Why do we die? How did we get here? He used it in the context of how teachers can keep these intelligences in mind when teaching concepts, which is how I learned about it. But it is so fascinating. We can all understand each other better and ourselves better, knowing Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences. Oh, this is really cool. Isn't so it? this is so many things that I have kind of known, but never had a name for. Yes, exactly. Definition, exactly. like an exact yeah. definition. Uh -huh. You know, I thought maybe a little more blurred of this and that. And, oh yeah, right. I'm a more visual learner or I'm, you know, I'm more curious about other people than it seems like maybe some are, <laughs> uh, but maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm thinking too much inside my own head. All these things that yeah. are going on. So this is really cool to see it in, in Yes, words. and there's, so there's nine, yeah. but we can, like maybe I have three that are at the top, and then mm -hmm. I have three that are medium, and three that are lower, or something like that. We are all combinations of all of these. Yeah, for sure, yeah. I mean, no one's gonna wanna look at this list and go, oh, I'm definitely oh, not those five right. things. I'm maybe this one, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, That's not the idea, of course. And and some people are gonna think, well, I'm all of those. <laughs> you know, the other yes, yeah, I'm all nine, equally. Uh, yeah, I'm the best at everything. <laughs> yeah. Which means that you're probably missing at least <laughs> one or two of those, or more. <laughs> maybe the uh, self-awareness one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, just maybe. Saying. Or maybe you're perfect, who knows? <laughs> That could be, there's, you know, the 0.1% or yes, something. Yes, of course, that 90% of the people seem to be. Yeah, but I do, you know what, one of are. the things I love about this are people who maybe they feel uh, like they don't, they aren't intelligent because they see mm. intelligence as a certain thing, like if you're good at math, right. but they might have that kinesthetic thing or they might have the interpersonal one or something like that, making them just as valuable in all of our lives and society and everything else. So yeah, I just, so cool. I hope it helps people. Yeah. You know, I've always heard of like, you know, yeah, I'm either, I'm not book smart, but I'm street smart. And that's kind of where you yeah. left it. It's like two different things. Yes. You're one or the yeah, other. That's right. Maybe you're a combo of both. Um, and what I love about this too is you can see which ones are your strengths and you can do a couple different things. You can either mm -hmm. lean into those mm -hmm. and really excel mm -hmm. and use yeah. that to your advantage in life. Or you can kind of work on the ones that maybe you aren't. And there's yeah. kind of a couple different philosophies on which is better. And, I, and again, I like kind of both. Like sometimes if you know your strengths, you can, you can utilize that. But I don't yeah. think it, there's anything wrong with working on the other ones too. Knowing just that maybe that's not your natural way. And if you really like, if, exactly. if something's on the line, maybe go with your strengths or something like that so cool yeah and depending on the situation you might let someone yes, some of them shine and some of them take the the back seat or whatever yeah so. that's so cool well thank yeah, you so much you're for welcome sharing all right i am going to be talking about a website and this is one of those things that I just can't really believe that I didn't know about this because once I saw it, I was blown away. This website is called Book Riot. Book Riot is the largest independent editorial book site in North America and home to a host of media, from podcasts to newsletters to original content, all designed around diverse readers across all genres. So their mission, I'm going to say it word for word, we're dedicated to the idea that writing about books and reading should be as just as diverse as books and readers are. 
We began with the goal of leading a new discussion around books, readers, and publishing. Individually and collaboratively, we do the work each day to innovate fresh content and services to our readers, amplifying marginalized voices and challenging ourselves and our community to be inclusive. As of July 2021, more than one third of Riot New Media's group staff are people of color and are it's about 34% of their contributors. And that's just the beginning. They're trying to get better every day. They have nine main article sections. So they have the main section, they have audiobooks, children's, comics, as in comic books, uh, mystery, thriller, nonfiction, romance, sci-fi, fantasy, Young Adult and Read Harder. I love that one. Uh, they have eight different podcasts. Count them, eight. That's mind-boggling to me. Um, all the books, Book Riot the Podcast, For Real, Get Booked, Hey Ya, Kid Lit These Days, Red or Dead, SFF, Yeah, and Win in Romance. They have a newsletter, they have merch, they have a book club, of course. Um, they have different ways to save on books, they have different giveaways that happen all the time, and of course, they have a YouTube channel. Um, although right now, they used to have a lot of different varying topics. Right now, it's just every Tuesday, which is still once a week, and they talk about new releases on their books. It is just a book lover's dream. Check out Book Riot. <laughs> I love them already. I yes. love them. Everything about them. <laughs> I've never heard of them before I now. Know, me neither. It's wild because it uh, is fast. And some of those podcasts are like in 500 episodes. So they've definitely been around whoa, a while. Whoa. Okay. So um, <laughs> are, is it a bookstore? Or as far a, as I can tell, it's just a website. Okay. So it's like so, to find out about these books. It's yeah. like information and, yeah. and, and Yeah. They do reviews? sell books and they sell merch. And yeah, they have, they'll talk about old books that they love, okay. new books that they love, you know, and basically anything book, yeah. they'll talk yeah, about yeah. it in some way. They have recommendations, um, just discussions, Cool. Uh, you know, um, their, their newsletter, their articles or you know, if you go into the nonfiction section, it's, you know, 10 nonfiction books, mm -hmm. 10 business books for your next, mm -hmm. you know, power meeting and, you know, yeah. lists and all, all the things you would expect yeah. from, from a book. Yeah. And I love their name. Book yeah. Riot. It's yeah. like edgy. And yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. So cool. Woo. Okay. I mean, I'm going to have to dive in. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you. You're very ah. welcome. Michael Sheet, I'll be talking about a podcast. This is called All in the Mind. Sana Kadar hosts this fascinating podcast that delves into human behavior. She is an award-winning journalist and does the investigations herself and hosting herself, but she's backed by a solid production team since this is an Australian Broadcasting Corporation podcast. She chooses a topic which spans a wide range within the realm of human and social psychology. And then she goes out and she finds people. Every, ex es sorry, every episode has experts who can speak to the topic, but she also brings in regular people, which makes it j more than just a summary of whatever that topic is. And this is in fact exactly how I first learned about the podcast. She contacted me because she wanted to use an excerpt from my ASMR YouTube channel in an episode that she was doing about that topic of ASMR. Some examples of show titles include The Benevolent Brand of Sexism. So interesting. Machiavellianism and the Dark Triad of Personality. Whoa, mind blowing. And Whispers, Taps, and Tingles, What is ASMR? That's the episode I was just talking about. Every single episode, even the one I was featured in, I have learned enormous amounts 
For example, the one on Machiavellianism, I have learned more about it and how it ties in with narcissism and psychopathy, which I had no idea about. It was so eye-opening and admittedly a little bit scary. The one on benevolent sexism was also fascinating, both for me and I would imagine for anyone of any gender. The one I listened to the most recently was about talking to strangers and how it's different from connecting with people you know well. This is something that we all do, that we all experience. So if you want to learn more about human behavior with a unique perspective, one you might not get from just looking into that one topic alone, this will teach you in a way you won't find anywhere else. And I highly re recommend you listen to the podcast, All in the Mind. Oh, wow. This is so cool. So I knew you were on this podcast, yeah. but I haven't listened, not, uh, embarrassingly enough, haven't even listened to your episode. Brian! I know. Um, <laughs> okay. But now I want to, yes. of course, listen to yours, but also all these other ones. Yes. Like that sounds so yes. cool. What a cool idea. Mm -hmm. And it just sounded, I mean, those topics, all of those topics sounded interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. So how long has, uh, have they been doing this? Okay. Um, and what's her I name? Did you say their name in the video? Her name, name is, okay. yeah, Sada, or sorry, Sana Kadar. Okay. So S A N A Q A D A R. Uh -huh. Cool. Yeah. And so she's originally from Canada, and but now lives in Australia. Okay. Um, so I think they're on 200 ish episodes. Whoa. So I got a lot of catching up to do. There's a lot, lot of, <laughs> yeah, to catch up. Um, but she's done a lot of other things. So her, she's a one awards for other podcasts that she's mm. done. So she is worth looking into all the stuff that she's done. She's um, really so good. So thorough and it, the people she chooses is great. I just, I love it. And yeah, she's, she's fantastic. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. I cannot wait to check it out. Yes. And You'll, I've got a lot will. of listening to go for 200 episodes. Yeah. And yeah, I, what I do, I start with the more recent and then I kind of go backwards. But I know you, you, I think, tend to start with episode I one and go forward. I usually do. I try, although 200 is a little bit staggering. Mm -hmm. So if I love it, I eventually will do that. But my new thing right now is I look at them and I pick the ones that interest me the most. So I'll go through sense, yeah. the timeline and go, oh, that one, I just add it to the top, add to the top, add to the top. And then, yeah, and then I get a real good feel. And then if I'm like, oh, I have to listen to all of this because mm -hmm. of my, uh, you know, my <laughs> completism <laughs> kicks in and I'm like, all right, I won't be able to sleep unless I, you know, plan this out. And then I'll do that. Yeah, and I will yeah, do that yeah. for sure. Uh, that's happened a lot. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but I can't wait. I can't wait to check it yeah. out and dive in because yep. it sounds like stuff, all the stuff I would like. Yeah. Yeah. And All in the Mind, just a cool na uh, name of the podcast. And very fitting. General. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So cool. Yep. Well, thank and you so, so much for sharing yeah, that. You're welcome. All right. I am going to talk about a YouTube channel, and this is called Not Just Bikes. Now, first off, I want to thank uh, Ken from KMUZ, one of the programmers for our local radio station, because he actually emailed me and gave me this one. Uh, and it took me a while to go through it. I want to make sure that the first one or two uh, videos that I saw was, you know, were really good. But I'm like, ah, I need to thoroughly investigate this. And I did, and it is great. So again, Ken, thank you so much. Uh, stories of great urban planning and urban experiences from Amsterdam and the Netherlands, but it's not just bikes. So that's the description of it. Uh, the creator has traveled all over the world, developed their ideas of what makes a city great. Now, I love this because I've been car-free myself for almost nine years, which is kind of wild to believe. It's almost nine now. Uh, I have tons of passion for my local community. I've helped with the 
many nonprofit organizations and planned community events and arts and other events. Um, all these things I love. So automatically I was um, just definitely attracted to this because it's a lot of the same things. Um, I've had tons of different cool sheets on my passion for building a strong community. Now, I am still kind of a little bit, I feel like, in the minority here. The U.S. is obsessed with cars. Cars are king. Big cars, bigger roads, fast cars. Uh, people should be aware of cars, not the other way around. Cars, 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 more cars, but no traffic because that makes us angry. Oh, and we must be able to park in front of the store, wherever we go, no matter what, but more cars. <laughs> Walkability is getting better in a city, but it's still not the first priority. It's not the second or third or not even the fourth. They did Strong Town series, um, which I talked about in episode 96. Uh, they have so many different I ideas and videos. They produce about two or three a month. Um, some of them are why American cities are broke, why city design is important, why Dutch bikes are better, why cars rarely crash into buildings in the Netherlands, and that's because narrowing roads and increasing complexity. So many more other videos. Definitely check it out, not just bikes. <laughs> Oh, man. Was, as you were talking, I was like, guilty as charged, guilty as charged. I love driving. I love having a car. I do. It's, <sighs> now, and I will say, I've been car-free for nine years, but I do love cars. Um, I'm not anti-car. I definitely think we have a little bit too high of a priority of cars and driving and parking lots and other things. I always have wanted my community to be more walkable, and yeah, I think that yeah. overall is better for the city, and it helps it grow and thrive. Yeah. Um, but I do love cars. Um, you know, I do drive all the time for work. I have mm. to for that. And um, I have a funny story to tell you offline later about that. Um, <laughs> But, uh, and I do miss taking, you know, just spontaneous trips to the coast, especially yeah, by myself. Yeah, yeah. Usually you go with a friend somewhere, so usually that works out. I have a whole bunch of tricks and hacks um, to be car-free, but still mm. be able to drive around. Um, so, but yeah, I'm not anti-car, but I do think that we have the United States and especially this, like, overarching, you know, fascination and love for cars. Yeah. And I used to have sports cars. I love them. I still do. I still will probably get a car maybe for my 10th anniversary. <laughs> like, woohoo, I made it to 10 years. All right, where's the car? Right, 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 the car. I'm going to drive every day forever and make up for last time. No, no not but, true. The, but this this channel <laughs> yeah. sounds magnificent because I do. Okay, I love my car, but I also love livable cities. Yeah. I love walkable cities. Absolutely. And I do love the idea that someday I won't drive my car as much. <laughs> and it's not one or the other. That's the thing, right, too. Right. You know, right. and that's why yeah, it's even yeah. called not just bikes. It's also talking yeah. about infrastructure and how cities yes. are built and how they do or don't make money and different things like that. There's so many different things, and it, they, they should coexist. It should, mm -hmm. but it should be more of a balance, maybe, mm -hmm. versus, mm -hmm. you know, that. And not an us versus them. Yeah, also. absolutely. So, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you for You're that, and thank welcome. you to Ken. Yeah, thanks, Ken. My cool sheet. I haven't talked about a musical artist in a while, and here I go. This is a magnificent one. This is Rasputina. This is one of those bands that stands on their own. Absolutely no one else that I know of anyway is like them. Their backbone is the cello, which was the idea of the founder and the band leader, Melora Krieger. They're based in Brooklyn, New York, and they have a very long history. Melora was a classically trained cellist, but in the late 80s, early 90s, she decided she wanted to start an electric cello-fronted rock band. 
she got a good number of respondents when she put out this call. I think it was an ad somewhere in the Village Voice or something. But eventually, it whittled down and became three cellists, and they settled into their vibe that is quirky music. It is they do haunting covers, and they have this Victorian steampunk fashion and personas. I saw them first live at the Edwardian Ball in San Francisco, which I talked about last week when I was talking about Edward Gorey, which was a cool sheet. They were, Rasputina, were the absolute perfect headliners for that show. They didn't even have to change their dress. They often wear corsets and bloomers and petticoats with multi-layers and complex fabrics. Their makeup bridges into goth, so they have this dark Halloween-y kind of feel, which also fits well into the kind of music they play. They are all outstanding musicians with beautiful voices as well. Melora sings most of the songs, but the other musicians in the band over the years have always been enormously talented. And as a testament to their talent, they have played alongside and toured with many big acts and had pretty famous musicians in their band at various points, including the drummer for Nine Inch Nails. Melora herself got to be so well-known that she was invited to back Nirvana and she was on their final tour with them in 1994. They play less now, but they're still continuing to release music. I love them. Rasputina. Oh, I love that name too, Rasputina. Mm -hmm. so yep. cool. Yeah, it's the uh, name of one of their songs. Okay, cool. Yeah, and it has, you know, Rasputin, and then yeah, they just exactly. did that. And they, yeah, it's just the per it's the perfect name, perfect vibe. Ah, uh, well, so I've never heard of them, and I cannot wait to check them out because yes. they sound so cool. Yeah, so the link that I have, there, I actually have a couple. So one is just, if you want to find out more about them, there's Wikipedia, but also they played TEDx. Broadway. Oh, um, and cool. so there's a live snippet there. Now, a lot of people, you know, there's a couple camps. Some people are like, oh, no, 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 don't, don't watch them play live. They're way better recorded. Listen to mm -hmm. recorded music. I love watching them play live because then you get the whole vibe. So I say do both. Yeah. I like it. I can't wait to check it out. Yeah. You know, I had a uh, prior cool sheet, and I cannot remember the name of her. I'll pop it up in a little graphic here. Um, but who did the um, song for Wonder Woman? Oh, um, that yes. Anthem for oh, her. Yeah, 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 and that's like yeah, an electric yeah. cello, or yes. I can't remember the so exact instrument. But yeah, so good. Mm -hmm. So it definitely, I knew it could be done, but I, I only know of her, I think, so I can't wait to check out more yeah. of this awesome anthem. And I would anthem. say she's more aggressive than Rasputina. Oh, cool. Okay, Rasputina is more, it's more haunting, as I said. Uh, so, cool. uh, but they, you know, they get into it. Okay. There's there's some rock okay. in there. Um, yeah, it's do great. a nice little collab would be cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, and to give you a few, so they cover uh, Pink Floyd, Wish You Were Here. Oh, God. So as an example, and, and a bunch of other stuff, too. Ah, I can't wait. Now I really can't wait yes, to check it out. Yes, But they also have their originals. Melora yeah. writes the songs. They have a lot of... And in fact, Melora now has a daughter, Ivy, and they wrote some songs together oh, on their latest so release. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. I will definitely check it out. Thank you yeah, so much for you're joining welcome. Me. All right. I'm going to be talking about a resource, and this one is just crazy. It's called List of Lists of Lists, and this is, a, this is a list of lists of lists, an article that is a list of articles that is themselves list of articles of lists. Uh, in other words, each of these articles linked here are an index of multiple lists on a topic. Some of those linked articles may contain lists of lists as well. Are you confused yet? Good. Me too. But once you check it out, it'll all make sense. 
Uh, so let's take a look at an example of one of these lists. Uh, 2.3 in the content, uh, little index is lists of philosophies. So within that list of philosophies, they have an index of philosophies, a list of philosophers, list of philosophical concepts, list of philosophical literature, list of philosophical organizations, list of philosophy awards, list of philosophies, list of philosophy anniversaries, list of philosophy schools. Uh, then it goes into philosophy articles, core ideas of philosophy, other fields of philosophy, history of philosophy, major traditions of philosophy, lists of philosophers, um, and then goes A, A through C, D through H, uh, I through Q, R to Z, lists of female philosophers, philosophers in the areas of study, lists of uh, words I can't say, other lists, more lists, so many lists. Uh, it just goes on and on and on forever. There are so many lists and then lists of lists. I love it so much. So I'm going to try to spit through. I have 30 seconds to go through the context. General reference, culture of the arts, literature, mythology, philosophy, the one I talked about, arts and the arts. Um, I don't even know what that means. Um, characters, fictional elements, performing arts, visual arts, entertainment and recreation festivals, games, sports, food and drink, mass media, geography and places, natural geography, features, landforms, bodies of water, uh, man-made ge geographical features, countries and regions, places, settlements, histories and events, uh, mathematical and logic, uh, natural and physical sciences, biology, physical sciences, chemistry, and I'm only like six of like, I don't know, 30, 50, something crazy. There's so many, the lists of lists of lists. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like a Dr. Seuss thing. It is, yeah. yeah. Would you like this list in a box? Um, I am just imagining, I'm just imagining like zoning out to this. Yes. Like, oh, you know, like in a good way. Like I yeah. want to look at all of the bodies of water that there are, and just like, look at the list of all yeah, of them. Yeah, well, and then it'll be a list of bodies of water in the United States, and then a list of the right, other countries. Right, and so It's right. lists of lists, after all, yes, of other yes. lists. That is wild. So have you gone, like, if you do I did cherry pick into some of my favorites, kind of like uh -huh. I do with these podcasts. So I went into right away the lists of villains and I kind of went like the movie and comic oh, book yeah. and, and TV show and things like that. That's where I really dove in. But yeah, mm -hmm. if you like going down the rabbit hole, this Wikipedia, so it's a Wikipedia page, by the way, I don't think I said that, okay. but that's like, like, yeah, it is a rabbit hole lover's dream for sure, because that's all it is. And I am pretty darn sure I will get tons of cool sheets from this because it's oh, all listed out yeah. in a way to navigate so many cool facts. I mean, it would take a lifetime to get through all of this. Ooh, it sounds like it. <laughs> it's just so, so wonderful. It's so fun. I want to <laughs> see what they have with chemistry. Yeah, I know. Just, I just, just to see. I just really quickly glazed over that. So yeah. you'll have to dive in with everybody else on our show notes. I'll take a gander. <laughs> My cool sheet, I'm going to be talking about a language, and this is Hawaiian Sign Language. I want to talk about Hawaiian Sign Language because not only was it just recently acknowledged by linguists as an actual language in 2013, but it is on the brink of extinction, and I'll share more about that in a minute. First, I want to give a background on sign language. About 5% of humans around the world have disabling hearing loss, and some of them are able to use devices such as implants, implants or hearing aids to help them, but many use sign language to communicate with each other and with interpreters. Depending on where you live, there are different sign languages such as ASL, American Sign Language, that's used in the United States, but if you go somewhere else, 
even if their spoken word language is the same, the sign language that's used by the deaf communities in that area could be very different, such as British Sign Language being distinct from ASL. In terms of Hawaiian Sign Language, I'll call that HSL, from what linguists can tell, it was thriving in the 1800s by a small number of deaf Hawaiians but it was maintaining itself, and it appears to have origins in the Hawaiian language, not influenced by English or ASL, American Sign Language. Many times, colonized countries have a sign language dialect that either grows out of the colonizer's sign language or becomes influenced by it, but this was not the case with Hawaiian. And in, an interesting thing about HSL is that it truly seems to be distinct from American Sign Language. And one of the ways that it is known is that ASL uses the general grammar construct of subject, verb, object, but Hawaiian Sign Language uses subject, object, followed by verb. There are other clues as well. HSL is truly its own language. However, right now, there are only 30 or so people in the world who know and use HSL. This language is truly on the brink of extinction. And there are several linguists who are working to prevent this from happening. And one way is to get as many hours as possible of Hawaiian signing in HSL and spread that to the world. Hawaiian sign language. Oh, wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. That is so fascinating. Yeah, I didn't know that, you know, I knew there were other forms, but I, I just learned that not too long ago, yeah, yeah, <laughs> too many yeah. years ago, that it wasn't just ASL, even though I know what ASL stood for. Um, and I was a typical, you know, American that was like, oh, it's just ours and that's it. There are right. no other languages. Right, right. <laughs> um, so speaking of, you have given, you've talked about a cool sheet that is about lists of lists of lists yes. before and um, if I am really wondering because I looked a lot into all the different sign mm. languages and there are so many there are uh, there is an a mind-blowing oh, yeah. number mind-blowing to me yeah. because I didn't know before that and so I would love to look in your list of lists of lists that you've talked about mm -hmm. and see about different sign languages yes absolutely so and I know that they had a list a list of lists of lists of endangered languages that was one of them and so I, I hope it's there I hope so too maybe we can add it because I think you can do that in Wikipedia I've oh, never actually done yes. it yes something to look up that would be great. Yes. So, yes, we'll check the list of lists of lists and mm -hmm. see if it's there. And if not, maybe we'll add that to that list. Yeah. Ah, so cool. Oh, I know. I, I hope it doesn't go away. I hope that it's yeah. not lost. I know. There's always, there. I've definitely changed this. I, you know, I was like, I do wish there was like kind of a universal language, uh, you know, and people argue that it is English and... Esperanto. Well, I know that that's what it is supposed to be. <laughs> For sure. And that could be a cool sheet, I too. took an Esperanto class. Oh, I've studied Esperanto <laughs> quite a bit on my own. I love it. Yeah. Uh, definitely, that should be a future cool sheet. Yes. But uh, Mine. I kind of think that's funny because I was going to call it. But anyway, I think I did because I brought it up. But I was thinking it. Okay, oh, anyway, yeah. anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> yeah, sidetracked by calling dibs. I know. We're like... Um, so the same thing, you know, I always kind of, it's like, ah, kind of wish there was one sign language or one language that we all, it was universal, but it's just, you can't do it. And plus, that being said, definitely honor the other ones where they came from, their heritage, and mm -hmm. keep them alive. They should not be extinct. Yeah. Yes. I just wish more people could communicate, and it's mostly probably me because I don't. It's Take all the time you. to learn languages. It's, yeah. it's you. Wow, you're really attacking me right now. <laughs> hey, just trying to mix it up. Yeah. All right. I'm um, gonna... And to find out more about this, yes. 10bestest.com slash gum. We have all of our show notes there. Yes. 
All right, I am gonna be talking about a kitchen hack, and this is dry roasting things. <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna talk about seeds, I'm gonna talk about nuts, and I'm gonna talk about peppers. Um, but more on that a little bit later, I'm also gonna be talking about vegetables. That one is actually blowing me away, and we'll talk about that. So first I'm gonna talk about jarred spices. Now, yes, I have some, and they are good to have as a backup when you get in big trouble, but let's be honest, jarred spices are crap. They just don't taste as good. You never know how long they've been on your shelf, let alone the grocery store shelf. They're old, they're dull, they don't taste that good. Uh, they're just not flavorful, especially once you start, start using fresh ingredients. Now I touched on this in episode 30, I talked about using fresh ingredients, but I really wanna dive in on spices because it makes such a difference. Um, so when you crush them, uh, that's good. You know, so um, first of all, we have seeds, right? So we have cumin seeds if you're watching on YouTube, um, and that's really good. Like this is better than just these cumin seeds. So already you're doing better than just store-bought cumin powder that you might have. But when you, and when you grind those up, so you know, it's good and it smells great. I wish I could share the smell of it on YouTube, um, but it's a light, you know, nutty color. But when you roast them, so this, um, releases the oils and the extra flavor. And I mean, you can smell this. We've been smelling it the entire um, series of videos and it is just, you can tell there's way more flavor happening right now. You are not smelling that with these seeds and definitely not this old jar. Um, that is all from these roasted herbs. So it tastes so much different. I do want you to experiment on how they taste and what they're good for. Some recipes do call for not roasting things. You just grind them up and you know, use your um, coffee bean grinder, this cheap one, use that for spices. And then use a better grinder for your coffee beans. But if you really wanna go for it, use a mortar and pestle, then that grinds them by a stone and it actually releases more flavors than the shearing does of a blade. So definitely try some dry roasting. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. Okay, bring that a little bit closer. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so nice. Um, oh, it smells so good. Um, so, so for I, the people on the podcast, we're sniffing uh, yes. ground spices right now, yes. and it is delightful. I'm sticking my nose in it. This is, so this was roasted. So that's roasted. Okay. Yeah, so smell the difference. So okay. this is regular, still quite pungent, and I also, mm -hmm. I just did those this evening, that I did like three or four days ago. So, Interesting. but there is a difference for sure yeah. of the aroma, you know, they're both strong. Mm -hmm. So you don't necessarily get a stronger smell. It's just different. You can definitely smell the difference though, for sure. Yeah, this is lighter and sweeter that, that mm -hmm. was not roasted. And then the roasted smells like nuttier. Yeah, yeah. usually really nice. you feel that nuttier, you know, that's a common thing. And a lot of that is because of the caramelization and the yeah. nuttier reaction, you know, all mm -hmm. these really cool sciencey things happening. That one I will give to you. You should do the milieu reaction yes. next. I would love yes. that yes. Um, for sure because I've talked about it a few times, but I, I want to know more about the science behind it. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely, it will instantly really kick your uh, food to 11 and separate you. People will just be like, oh my gosh, how do you do this? This is so great. Yeah. You know, what's your secret? And you can disclose it or not if you want to. Ooh, keep it um, but it's super easy. You just put them on a pan, turn the heat, keep it low, watch it definitely. And so you do the seeds, you do that in the seed form first. So you roast these seeds. Those. 
And then once they get that flavor and you'll wow. start to really smell them and then either use a seed grinder, which I do all the time, or if you really want to take a little time and make it a little practice, put them in here and just grind them. And oh my gosh, yes. it is heaven. Nice it won't last as, yes, absolutely make it a little ritual. Um, and really enjoy the process. Um, it won't last as long as these do, um, but as it lasts longer, the flavor just goes down to nothing. So yeah, it definitely makes a difference. And doing it, yeah, doing it fresh. Do you, so do you try to do it in small batches Absolutely. to keep it as fresh yep, as possible? I, I do. Now, you know, this will last for three or four weeks. So, you know, that's a decent time. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I try to do it in small batches so then I get that freshness uh, more so because I don't want this to sit around for six months. Yes, you know, because then right. you're basically, it's still going to be better. Guaranteed, this is probably uh, five years old, you know? I yes. mean, it's just... Oh, no, I want to compare yeah. that. So, I mean, just like, what is it? I don't even know. It's like know. nothing. Yeah. It's not even... And that's like a decent brand, you know, a whatever. It's a co-op version. It's a hippie version. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We can't even tear it up. <laughs> but it's like, yes, yeah, like nothing. Now it's a different, it's, I don't think that's no, actually it's like human, this is but empty. it's different and it just smells smell like it nothing. Okay. Yeah. So this is coriander, I think, which is very similar, but it's just, it's like zip mm -hmm. compared, like there's no question. Once you just smell it, there's no question what's going to yeah, have more flavor. Yeah. Also, sure. I wanted to point something else out. And so I always, when I mix smoothies, I use ground flax seeds. Mm -hmm. And I use my coffee grinder to freshly grind them each time. Because when you freshly grind the flax seeds, it allows the omega-3s to freshly be exposed and, and then get into you better. Um, but if you grind them all or buy your flax seed pre-ground, then all the omega-3s oxidize and they're not... They're, yeah. they're no good. Yeah, they're, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Doing it fresh, by this smell, good. you got to know that it has more nutrients in it. Yeah. More flavor, more everything. Yep. Absolutely. More so. everything. Yeah. All right. Thanks for keeping it spicy. You're welcome. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, friend, to 10 Bestest. I'm Karen McFarlane Allman. And I'm Brian Hart. And please join us next week for another great episode. And don't forget to stay curious. Want to learn more about this week's cool sheets? Head on over to 10bestus, that's 10bestus.com, for links to all of our cool sheets. And sign up for our monthly newsletter with bonus cool sheets and other fun stuff. 10bestus will be back with an all-new episode next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. 